the podcast that asks all the serious questions about cinema. Like, is it the cup holder to the right that's yours or is it the cup holder to the left that's yours? This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Mayhem, Heroes and Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. None of us are walking out of here unless we work together. With you. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Isn't this fun? It's just like a sleepover. <gasps> we should order pizza. Big Cosmos. Really? Focus. Okay. I'm the one they should be scared of. <gasps> because I'm Harley freaking Quinn. Australian Family Entertainment and H's for Happiness. Your job in this assignment is to write about something that's happened to you in the past. It's difficult to tell who Miss Bamford is looking at with that one eye that bobs like a maniac. I was going to present H for Happiness. I worried Mum, Dad and Rich Uncle Brian had forgotten how to be happy. And Lovecraftian horror in colour out of space. This week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hello. And Dan Miranda. Hello. Now your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first. I wanted a fresh start, a chance to be my own woman. <laughs> but being Harley Quinn ain't as easy as it looks. I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. I'm the one they should be scared of because I'm Harley freaking Quinn. Boy, oh boy, has the DC Cinematic Universe been a bumpy ride. From the lows of the critically savage Suicide Squad and Batman vs Superman to the heights of the billion-dollar Aquaman and the Oscar-nominated Joker, who knows what you're in for with them. You may as well toss a coin to determine if it's good or bad. Heads it's good, tails it's bad. Vari, Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Is it heads or tails? Heads for me. Heads, it's good. Okay. Yes. I wasn't a huge DC fan until The Dark Knight. And even after that, I yeah. kind of <laughs> left the bandwagon. And this has got me back on. Oh, good. Okay. So this one is told from Harley Quinn's perspective. And she's just broken up with a Joker and everyone in Gotham seems to be out to kill her because she doesn't have a man protecting her. So to save her own skin, she does a job for Gotham's most narcissistic villain called Roman, and that is to retrieve a diamond stolen by a kid thief. And then she crosses paths with these three other storylines of Black Canary, Huntress, and a cop called Renee Montoya, and the unlikely foursome have to team up and save the kid. Did you yeah, like it? <laughs> oh, did I like it? Uh, yeah, I liked it, probably uh, on a... Compared to Aquaman, I probably enjoyed it less. Less so. Um, <gasps> what? I'm sorry. I love the the water. <laughs> uh, I want to be under the sea. Oh, but God. do you know what I okay. really enjoyed about this film is it's a lot of fun. It doesn't try mm. to dilute any of its like hard subject matter. It's really uh, focusing on obviously Harley Quinn and the three other actresses playing those roles. I feel are a bit. Yeah. Uh, they're sort of the the sprinkle on top. But mm. I think you go to see you know Margot Robbie in her element, which is this larger than life character and there's there's a lot of color on screen so i think it's yeah. a visually pleasing film i think 
What I can see they've tried to do is take elements from other films that have worked and put it all together in this one. Like I get vibes of Deadpool. Mm. It's kind of got that satirical humour to it. It's not too serious. They don't take themselves too seriously. And there's a kid to save like Deadpool too, that kind of the same theme. And then also in the fight scenes, I noticed there was a lot of creativity in their surroundings. Like they had to use what was around them, their environment, to try and fight. Like there's particularly a scene when Harley Quinn is fighting in the storage space of a a police. Like a precinct. Police station, sorry. And, yeah, just using all the objects that she finds off the shelves. And then there's another one in like a madhouse. So there's crazy things that they're using there. And it kind of reminded me of John Wick especially John Wick 3, where they get real creative with their surroundings. And someone told me that the stunt coordinator from John Wick also helped them out with these particular scenes. And I was like, aha, that's where I got it from. So I think we've run the full gamut then because you quite liked it. Mm. You didn't think it was bad. I actually, I didn't like it much at all. Um, I found it just a bit messy. Um, yes. So I famously with Suicide Squad, that movie was shot and then edited and then re-edited again. Mm. And I, I get the, just a little bit of a feeling that this might be true of Birds of Prey as well. Specifically, I think to like make the story more interesting by making it out of sequence, it seems yeah. almost like a post-production editing choice, but it came off a little, little messy mm. to me. That being said, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is like, it's like the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man. Like, it's like now yeah. they're like fused sure. in such a way that like she is the draw for everything. Yeah, I will say that it shortchanges the the titular birds of prey a lot <laughs> because of yeah. that. It's more uh, about them coming together. It's it's definitely an origin story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, even then I think that's maybe a little sloppily handled. Now, we're not going to get into any spoilers in this episode, but we do have a spoiler episode coming out. I'll go into a little more detail about some things that I didn't quite love as much about that. I thought it had a lot of tricks up its sleeve. Some of them worked and some of them didn't. There's a lot of like neon signs and this is the character and stuff like that that are kind of quirky and fun. But they do sometimes, to me, feel like a Band-Aid as well. And be like, look, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's bright and it's colourful. Yeah. Um, I think, I think so, you're right. Some of the action sequences I quite liked. Mm. Uh, Ewan McGregor's performance I quite liked. Just I really liked him. Out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, as a, as a long-time DC uh, fan, mm. terrible adaption of that character. <laughs> yeah. But I don't care. Okay. Because okay. it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of differences from the comics and the animated series. So they're taking a lot of liberties. So if you're a fan of the animations, it doesn't quite fit the law, but it works for this. If you take it as a a separate entity, this is the movie and there are some similarities and there are some nods to the the classic animated and and the um, comics. And so I think in that way it yeah, works. Especially I think like the 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 ending at, a, at the playhouse, like it's a big abandoned circus, is very, very Batman. Mm, very Batman. Which, which I, I quite liked. Mm. The ending action sequence itself I thought was maybe a little lackluster, but that's something that happens to every DC film ever. <laughs> mm. For some reason their last action sequence is always not as good as like a previous action sequence. Uh, like it's true of like uh, Suicide Squad. It's mm. true of Batman vs. Yeah. Like it, it seems to be a problem with comic book films in general. So – We've talked about Margot Robbie, but what did you think? This is a Birds of Prey movie as well. What did you think of the Birds of Prey? For me, I think each of them do have their own storyline and their their reason for being, but I I wish that some of them were a bit further explored because I felt like I I was getting a lot of Harley Quinn, obviously, Mm. but they just really don't focus enough on them. But I think the actress who plays Huntress, she was probably Mm. my favourite out of the... Me me too, but even then I think it's almost like a little wasted Mm. because she's such a great actress. Yes. And 
she's kind of doing like a like a, this this take on the character that could be interesting, but there's just not that much there. Yeah, of it. you need and more. I just wanted a little bit more of it. I think maybe if they'd flipped the title around and it was more Harley Quinn yeah. with the Birds of Prey, yes. that would make more sense. I think there's a couple of moments in the film as well that really I think sum up the way that this is like almost a Birds of Prey film in, in name only. One is that the mm. opening narration by Harley Quinn, she says, this is my story. No way. This is our story. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's pretty much it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like it is her story with them added on. And then uh, when, when the Birds of Prey are coming together, there's a sequence where they say, you know, we need to work together and, and they kind of all just go, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that to me did sum it up to be like, that, that is all kind right. of the spirit of the movie. It's like, yeah, I guess. That makes me excited for the sequels though, because hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed, there would be and there would be more of the Birds of Prey and then the title will make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this as well. I, I find it a little odd. These DC movies are, are trying so hard now to have like an established world. So the Joker exists and they name drop Batman and Aquaman exists and whatever. It just seems to me that they should have just had the birds of prey be a thing. Like I instead Initially. of waiting like it's a good like hour and a half At before least. they're properly kind mm. of together. Yeah. And it seems we had to have such an established universe, but then not not have them established. It kind of seemed like a like a wasted opportunity almost. If they were birds of prey right away, I feel like you would have got a bit more bang for your buck. Yeah, that's a lot of movies these days where they want to give you the origin story. They want to make a whole movie about it rather yeah. than just getting straight into the story. So who do you think should see Birds of Prey? So I think this is this is a film for fans of Margot Robbie and she actually is a co-producer on this film. So even though it is, as we've said, called Birds of Prey, it really is the Harley Quinn biopic, I guess you could call it. <laughs> if, you, if you like Margot Robbie or if you like, you know, that really over-the-top sort of, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Batman and Robin except like a bit more of an R-rated version. Honestly, it did at times, yeah. didn't it? Like Which, it's quite on the nose and silly yeah, at times. Yeah, but I, I love that. So I think if you like that cartoon-esque Gotham or uh -huh. version of Gotham, you'll, you'll have a good time with this film. And even though it doesn't really focus on all of its title characters, it, it does have a lot of fun and I think people – Get, get something from it. Yeah, and the soundtrack to go along with all that bright, colourful, cartoony-esque things was really great as well. So if you've been umming and ahhing maybe about DC and how Marvel may, might be better, mm. give this one a go. I think you'll be back on the bandwagon. And I think it's worth saying that there are, there were people that were unhappy with Suicide Squad. And mm. I will say this is of the DNA of Suicide Squad. So I think some of the choices that they've made kind of remain in this and it's not the the be all and end all. Like they haven't completely fixed no. the Suicide Squad thing, but it is better than Suicide Squad. Yeah. Do you really want to divorce us? Yes. No. Happiness takes time. But that doesn't mean I can't keep trying to plant the seed. <laughs> <laughs> After the success of Red Dog back in 2011, the Australian film industry finally discovered a genre that isn't gritty crime dramas to produce. Colourful family films from Red Dog and Red Dog 2 True Blue, Paper Planes and Oddball, family entertainment is now a staple of Aussie cinema. Do you think H for Happiness could be a new Aussie classic? I think it could be in the same realm as those films you mentioned, <laughs> but um, classic, I don't know. We haven't seen this one. So based off what I've seen, it really does remind me of like a children's version of the, the film Big Fish yeah, because it's really in this hyper-realistic fantasy world and through the imagination of 
a child. Now, the story is about a 12-year-old girl named Candice Fee and she she's the, the most optimistic child you could imagine. And through the inspiration of a strange new boy at her school, she becomes inspired to use him to uh, help mend her broken, dysfunctional family after a, a tragedy has occurred. I will say this because, again, it hasn't screened for, for critics or really at all yet. No. But it does look beautifully filmed. Mm. And I think this Australian films have traditionally been like kind of on the cheaper side. But after the last few years, they're just like brilliantly colourful and vibrant and really well shot. And I love that like the Australian film industry have really stepped up their game as far as like production value and cinematography. And this was actually filmed down in the coastal town of Albany in Western Australia. So I like that they're choosing these locales that are, you know, even for many Australians may, may not have heard of or been to. So it's, it's almost like a tourism film. Yeah, that's a, a, true for a lot of Australian mm. films as well is kind of a, a tourism draw card for overseas yeah, a audiences. Yeah, a lot of Australian to, films are funded through the government, which has like <laughs> a vested interest are. in getting yes. people to the sure. country. Yeah. And talking of the, the cinematography as well, the producer of this had just finished Hotel Mumbai, which oh, wow. was a film from last year that different we reviewed. Different tone. <laughs> Very <laughs> different, but I remember absolutely loving that one and yeah the cinematography was great on that so the producer probably was like hey look a nice family friendly Aww. film to go from hotel mumbai to this and yeah brought that same quality to it so who do you think should see h is for happiness so this ha- looks to have some great humorous moments with a lot of heart it's it's one of those great australian films that i could absolutely picture seeing grandparents taking their grandchildren oh, yeah. to it feels very very heartwarming and i think that's who this film will appeal to. This is definitely a fun, family-friendly film, kind of vibes of Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Also still in cinemas midway. An American action war film set just after the events of Pearl Harbor. The Grudge? That's scary. I know. Is that too scary? That's the noise it makes. <laughs> the Peanut Butter Falcon? A very heartwarming story about a man with Down syndrome who runs away to join a wrestling school. How many times have we seen that story? And A Hidden Life. A peasant Austrian farmer is conscripted to join the Nazi party. Yes, you can hear about all of those films and, in fact, everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue that you can access from whichever podcast app you like. Blew up. Big flash like a pink light, or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Looks like a meteorite. It's radioactive. I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks. How can something that big just disappear? In limited release at Jam Factory this week is an adaptation of one of H.P. Lovecraft's most well-known short stories, Color Out of Space. And to help it along is the godfather of campy big performances, Nick Cage. Is this a match made in heaven or a descent into the arthouse horror hell? Both of those things, (laughs) which is a positive because who wouldn't like Nicolas Cage and H.P. Lovecraft? Craft together at last. So yes, this movie is based on H.P. Lovecraft's short story, The Color Out of Space. Now, any nerd or sci-fi fan worth their salt will know H.P. Lovecraft. He's the American author who shaped the supernatural horror fiction genre 
Berthia Cthulhu, and whose work has profoundly influenced popular culture. And a huge racist. They'll also know how notoriously difficult his work is to adapt. Now, this film, I think, did a really good job at adapting Lovecraft's often esoteric and descriptive language style to a visual medium. So the plot of this one is that a meteorite has crashed into the garden of a family farm and it infects the land around it and the space-time continuum with this strange otherworldly colour. And then the family soon discovers that this alien force is mutating every life form it touches, including them. You know what I really like about this film is it's pretty much one of those like 80s horror movies that you would watch on like a VHS in a sleepover. Like in in tone, in score, in air, like it is like a B grade horror. It's the perfect horror VHS. Yeah, it really is. Also leaning into an art house style as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So Nick Cage, between doing like these like directed like red box movies Mm. and whatever that he's been doing, he's been doing these like really artsy horror movies uh, with the same production company. So he made a movie called Mum and Dad a couple years ago about an infection that only affects parents and they try and kill their children. Then he made a movie called Mandy, which was like this mm. really bizarre, esoteric revenge horror movie. And then the yeah. same producers, of course, made Color Out of Space. And they, they've all got a DNA to them that you can see through where they're just bizarre in the f- most fun way. Yeah, this is uh, my first acknowledgement or l- of learning of H.P. Lovecraft. So I went in this completely blind. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> so I think it was a very interesting time for me seeing this film because it is one of the trippiest films I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think if you're unaware of his stuff, I, th- I think you best uh, look into a bit of that, like maybe even watch Mandy, which is by the same production house, because I think going into this completely unaware, you might be... Shock to your I'll, core. I'll say this, and this is saying a, a lot. This is way more palatable than Mandy is. Oh, okay. Mandy is even harder to kind of get your head around. In fact, Mandy, I didn't love. I thought it was a little bit kind of grating. Mm. Uh, but Color Out of Space, I thought was like the best. What what really worked about Mandy, and, and they, but they've stripped away all the stuff that didn't work about Mandy in Color Out of Space. Right. I got reminded of Suspiria, but not as WTF and half the length. <laughs> <laughs> but that same sort of weird visual style with great sound effects and soundtrack. Yeah. What I also really liked is that this is true of these other horror films Nick Cage has done as well, is he starts in a relatively normal performance Mm. and then throughout the film gets weirder and makes weirder choices (laughs) with every fly and delivery and stuff like that until it's like, it's almost the meme of Nick Cage at this point yeah. where he's just so crazy. It's like, uh, it's like the Wicker Man, but all the time, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's like, he knows exactly what people love about it and he just swings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, And also we should mention that, uh, so the family that Nicholas Cage is part of, they're all going through their own personal traumas. Like, the mother is recovering from breast cancer, which resulted mm. in a mastectomy. And Nathan, the father, which Nicolas Cage plays, um, he inherits uh, an old property from his father in rural America where he hopes for a new beginning. So it is... Classic horror themes. Classic horror. You like think, yeah. a, a non-caring local cop and mayor who come along oh. and they're like, oh, there's a meteorite in your yard. Should have sold your property to us and then walk oh. off. And then there's that like love interest for the daughter who's somehow measuring the water table and that's how he finds out about he's doing all these tests on the water and that's how he finds out the the meteorite is infecting the water source and yeah oh just and the weird guy that lives on the property yeah the hippie yeah Yeah. tommy chong (laughs) uh so and and this is something i think that like uh like real the real 
like film fanatics will love. It's the welcome return of Richard Stanley, who hasn't made a film since 1996, mm. where famously he had like a meltdown on the set of The Island of Dr. Monroe and just stopped making narrative films until this film. Yeah. He made a classic film called Hardware that's like a cult classic mm. and he's like much beloved in this kind of like grindhouse B-movie horror and yeah. he just disappeared for ages. And you know what? He hasn't missed a step. Oh. I like the note that I found about that movie then when he only survived like one to four days. Mm. Accounts vary. Um, and then um, left the set. Jungle. And then he snuck back onto the set in a dogman mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he went and lived in the jungle for a while as well. Oh, it's good. a crazy story. Look it up. And also for Nick Cage fans and Richard Stanley fans, they have both, and not together, been on a hunt for the Holy Grail. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's probably what brought them together, wow. you know, reminiscing. Maybe this is the Holy Grail, <laughs> this movie. So who do you think should see Colour Out of Space? So for me, I I think if you see this film through the lens of, say, Stanley Kubrick meets The Thing, kind of get an idea of what style of film this may be. If you, th- if you thought Cats was unsettling, this, <laughs> this might uh, make you think different because it's a, it's a psychedelic and irrational film and it really is a visceral experience that I don't think is for the faint of heart. Yeah, it's definitely a psychedelic body horror sci-fi. And if you love that sort of horror genre, you're going to dig this. Anyone who's a Nicolas Cage fan, he, I know he has a cult following, you're going to love it. Now, for your chance to win a gold class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question, What is the best DC film? Yes, simply leave your answer with the hashtag the cinema crew for your chance to win. Next week, a lovable speedster in Sonic the Hedgehog, a real-life drama in Richard Jewell, a reboot with a twist in Fantasy Island, and the Jane Austen classic with a splash of colour in Emma. Also, we have a very special Birds of Prey spoiler episode coming out any day now. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to get into all the gritty details. But until then, thank you, Vari. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks. My name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.